this morning. Man, school's back, and uh, it's just great. First service was good and full, and uh, we've got you, so thank you so much for being here. When, when the worship, man, just good. Uh, they did it without any ladies on the platform today, I noticed, so I, I don't know what that was, but that was, that was good. That was good. Hey, uh, just kind of starting down here a minute, I want to introduce some dear friends. This is Jeff and Coco Whiston. Come and join. Did we put the picture up first time? Yeah, there we are. Come on. Come on and stand with me. Look at that. Uh, yeah, man, they're, they're good looking. Uh, Jeff, Jeff and I have been friends for the past 13 years, and he has been... Uh, uh, ministering here in the area, and uh, Coco, his wife, it's been a joy to get to know her. And uh, But Jeff and Coco are about to head off to Barcelona, Spain, and do ministry there. And, and we're going to be supporting them. And I just, this was the last opportunity because they're leading for, uh, leaving 1st of September and uh, so I wanted to take the opportunity for you to get to see them face-to-face. Some of you may want to talk afterwards. Uh, um, Coco's originally from Monterrey, Mexico, so if you have some uh, uh, relatives or anybody in Monterrey, I'm sure you know them all. Yeah, uh, and uh, Jeff's just from California. And, uh, and, uh, but he's a, he's a dear friend, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, Jeff's, uh, Jeff's a dear friend, um, and, uh, we, we, it was good to have somebody close to my age, uh, pastoring in the area too, and now you're leaving. And, uh, but, uh, Jeff, let me just, quick thing about Jeff, don't ever go on a retreat with Jeff in January. He starts the year off on a 21-day fast, and uh, I, I'm rooming with Jeff during those years, and uh, and I always felt guilty. I thought, he's more spiritual than me, and I better fast. And it was hard to drive by Whataburger after that uh, <laughs> retreat. But I want to just pray over them. Pam, why don't you join me? I, I tell you what, Central, just put a hand this direction just as a symbol of covering for them. Father, uh, I love Jeff and Coco, and uh, Lord, I'm going to miss my friend dearly. But Father, uh, thank you that uh, they said yes, and Lord, wherever you would send them, they were willing to go, and Father, you sent them to Barcelona. Lord, I I pray over uh, Josh and over Grace as they're back here, and uh, Lord, they're their grandbaby, and I know that's going to be hard to leave, but Father, I just pray your provision, I pray your anointing, I pray that Jesus, you are honored and glorified in their lives, and Father, protect them, uh, give them safety until we either get to Barcelona or they get back, so Lord, Lord, we bless them today in Jesus' name, amen. Would y'all bless uh, Jeff and Coco, yeah, bless you. Yeah, yeah. They're good people. Um, if you want to take them to lunch today, I'm sure they would be more than willing to do that. Um, hey, we started a couple of weeks ago a series uh, that we're calling 
resetting your compass in a disoriented world. We're talking about God's will. And uh, we, if you don't, do not think that our times are disoriented, just listen to the news, read the paper, read social media. Disoriented means you've lost your direction. And we've just lost our direction. I think we've lost it uh, politically. I think we've lost it uh, spiritually, morally. We're, we're just disoriented. So I, I, I really felt like God is wanting the church to reset your compass. Reset your compass north. Um, focus on Jesus. Focus on who He is. And uh, we talked about the myths about God's will, how we make it so secretive. We talked about the essential will of God last week, which is uh, uh, I shared with you is from the Word of God. Probably 90% of the will of God is already laid out for you and me at that point, and we talked about the essential will of God. But today we come to talk about the specific will of God, which all of you are interested in, uh, because you're going to face in life decision-making. Most of you have faced certain ones, but you're going to face other ones. You're, there are certain decisions you're going to have to make in life. My desire is for you to be able to make decisions with fewer regrets. Because I know some of you are in this room and you're regretting some of the decisions you made. And so we want to talk about, Lord, if you have a plan for me, a specific plan, I desire to make the decisions according to your plan so I have fewer regrets. Now, I, I did a, a search this week on some of the greatest regrets in history. And uh, there was a few that came forth. Let me share with you uh, three of them. One was... Uh, a company in the UK known as Decca Records. Some of you may know the story about Decca Records. Some of you have never heard of it. But they turned down a particular uh, newfangled type of music, the a group by, by the name of the Beatles. They decided to turn them down and go with another group for their uh, label. Now, they, it's a great regret that they had at that point. Uh, another regret that was one of the major regrets in all of history was when Napoleon decided to invade Russia in the winter. He thought he could do it in 20 days, and uh, he came back. There was no way they could do that, and so that was a great one. The, the third one, obviously, is the Titanic. Uh, the Titanic made a decision to go in, uh, on its voyage, there was many things about the uh, Titanic that was regrets. One of the ones was I read about their lookouts had no binoculars even to see at a distance what may be uh, in their front of it. Uh, so these are uh, regrets. Um, I also read an article, a couple of articles from hospice nurses on people on their deathbeds, particular regrets that they had. Uh, they had regrets of uh, not, spending too much time at work. They wished they hadn't worked as much. They wished they hadn't neglected their family. They one one of the regrets for many people was they hate they didn't risk more in life. And uh, so these were regrets. So I want you to think about decisions that you're going to make or you've already made. 
And we're going to try to minimize the regret according to God's Word as best we can today. And I'm going to do it with six questions that you're going, that I'm going to give you that are going to enable you to see, okay, God, are you in this? Are this what you're calling me or our family to step into or, or the future or whatever it may be? Because you're going to make decisions around relationships, who you're going to marry, who you're going to have uh, friendships with. You're going to make decisions economically. Uh, what is your career going to be? What is your major in college? Where, are you going to go to college? Are you going to just step into uh, something else? Are uh, You're going to make decisions as to, uh, uh, obviously, whether you're going to move or stay in a particular area. Do you move away from your hometown where you have a relationship? Do you go to just chase the money? What do you do at, at, when it comes to those things? And then you're going to have decisions about what is your worldview going to be in this planet that we live on. Are you going to have a Christ-centered worldview? Are you going to have a cultural worldview? Are you going to have a secular humanist worldview? You have these different worldviews that you're going to have to make a decision on the direction that you're going to go. And then you're going to have smaller decisions that you're going to make. Uh, such as what hobbies do you do in life? Where do you spend your money on pleasure or things? Uh, you're also going to decide which, which congregation you are to worship in and be in as a part of that. You're going to have decisions that are going to be major and then you're going to have some that are going to be minor. But I want you to hear me out on this is that God has a specific plan for you. He has a plan. He cares so much for you. First of all, His plan is for you to come to know Him. That's what He desires, is for every man, woman, child to have an opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, that's one that is right there. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. And this is the ending of the Sermon on the Mount. The, Jesus has been preaching to his disciples in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. But there's a, a couple of things that I want to draw out to you and before we get to these six questions that I'm going to uh, give you in just a moment. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. There's two men mentioned. You've got a wise man who built upon rock, and you've got the foolish man who built upon sand, shifting soil. But I want you to notice what they had in common. 
both of them were encountering a storm. So if you think following Jesus is going to exempt you from the storm, you're wrong. You will have storms in life. In fact, as a follower of Jesus, you will probably have greater storms that you will face. However, you have chosen a strong foundation that will not crumble. But we see that there is a foolish man also that built his house on uh, not a sure foundation. His worldview was not set. He, he built it on his own strength, whatever. But the storm came and wiped him out. So, here's where we're going. I want you to know that all of you in this room are going to make decisions. And you're going to be facing a storm. The question is, are you wise? Are you foolish in where you are right now, today? Because some of you are saying, Mark, I regret... I regret a lot of things. I regret my past. I regret some things I did. I regret an abortion. I regret a divorce. I regret a drug addiction. I regret these things. And you're living with these regrets. I regret that I didn't do something. Listen, I know a God who redeems regrets. He is a God who wants to redeem your past. And so I don't want you to think that anybody in this room is damaged goods that God cannot use. Okay? You need to know that today. And so, I, I, uh, let me make a, a couple of uh, more observations on before we uh, have these questions. Because you're, you're thinking, oh man, I need these questions. Because here's the deal. I, and I'm teasing you a little bit. But but uh, I, I am really going to tell every one of you in this room what God's will is for you before it's over. Ben, your your will. I know this today. You're you're to protect me. That's God's will uh, for from things. I know that. But you all of you are dealing with questions. Let me let me make some points. First of all, is this. You were created in God's image for His pleasure. We've talked about that. You were created in God's image for His pleasure. It says in Revelation 4.11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they were created. So you and I were created by God in His image for His pleasure and glory. That, that's why you exist. You didn't. You weren't created just to make money or to work or to have a family. You were created for God's good pleasure to give Him honor. And so what that means to me is that we're all called. We talk about calling to the ministry. I believe we're all called. In fact, it says in John fifteen sixteen, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. Jesus is saying, listen, you did not even choose me. I chose you. I chose you. All of you in this room, as a follower of Jesus, are called. Now, some of you are called uh, plumbers, or electricians, or businessmen, or lawyers, or stay-at-home moms, you are called to do that. 
I am called to do what I, I do. But I want you to know, first of all, you're following Jesus. You're giving Him honor and glory with the calling that you have on your life. So you are chosen by God. Here's another thought. Well, let me, let me go a little bit farther. I brought a prop there. Uh, this is a funnel. And uh, this funnel has a small end. It has a large end. The way I, I see it is this. God desires for us to come and to submit to Him as Lord and Savior of all. That's what He desires. And so that is like coming into the small part of the funnel. All of us enter the same way, in humility, submitting to God. But once we get in, it's myriad where He may take us. And so I want you to know that some people are thinking, well... Uh, I just don't know my calling. I want you to know God is going to use you in a mighty way right where you're at. So hang on to that thought a little bit right there. Here's another thought. Every decision you make affects not only you, but other people. It affects other people. Your, Your spouse, your kids, it affects them. And this is... I want you to grab this. Many of us are blaming our past for our own wrong decisions now. And I want you to know, it's not a matter of reacting, it's a matter of responding. And you choose how you're going to respond. Your parents got a divorce, you were abused, I hate those things. You had a parent, uh, a parent die. You had a spouse die. You, you, uh, you grew up in an alcoholic family. I realize those things. Those are atrocious. But you respond. You choose in how you're going to respond. And so, at, when you think about those decisions, don't think that you've got to make them the way you saw them made. You can respond differently. And here's the last thing I want to uh, say is that, before I do the questions, not, I'm not ending. What does that mean to a, a preacher? Nothing. Uh, God's desire, I shared this last week, is your sanctification. It's a process of separating you to walk in holiness and purity close to the shepherd. That's what he desires of you. So, all of your life, the decisions you make and the way God is going to lead you, He's not going to lead you away from Him. He's going to lead you closer to His heart. Okay? So, God speaks. How do we know He speaks? Well, we read the Bible. He spoke in an audible voice. He spoke in dreams, visions, angels, burning bushes, donkeys, blinding lights, whale, fleece, prophet. He spoke in all these ways. He spoke by impressions and circumstances and scriptures. And so what I want you to know is God still speaks today. He speaks clearly if we're willing to listen. And yes, we can ask for discernment. And the discernment is vital. So here's the six questions. Question number one. If you're facing a decision and you want to do it according to God's will, Question number one to ask yourself is this. Am I seeking to walk 
in the essential revealed will of God. Am I seeking to walk in the essential revealed word of God? Here's what I mean by that. Last week I shared with you that I think 90% of the will of God has already been put out there. And 90% for me is the same 90% for you. And we want to focus on that 10%, but are we walking in the 90%? If we're not walking in the 90%, why should we go to the Father with the last percentage of, of what we what we think His will may be? We need to realize that whatever I am asking this decision to be, am I walking in the essential uh, will of God? Am I walking in worship and the Word and service? And loving others and loving my neighbor as myself, loving my enemies. And am I seeking to walk in purity? Am I doing all my work is unto the Lord with integrity? It's hard to ask God when I am not seeking to be close to Him as all. And, and so the decision is this. Will this decision I am about to make, business-wise, college, career, spouse, will this take me closer to Jesus or farther away? Where's it going to take? The Word of God is clear on what His will is. And so, is my desire to be drawn close to Him, or is it going to pull me farther away? So that's question number one to ask yourself in this decision you make. Money's not? More money? Nope. Easy life? No. Retirement? I mean, what is your drive? It ought to be in the essential will of God to be brought close to Him. So am I seeking to walk in the essential revealed will of God? Number two is this. Do the Scriptures speak to this decision? Do the Scriptures speak to this decision? In other words, if, if a person comes up to me and says, I, I think I'm going to leave my wife for another woman. Mark, what do you think the will of God is? I don't, I don't have to guess. I know the Scriptures speak to that. Mark, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this business, and, and it's a little unethical, but it will really put us on the road towards our future financially. I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to get in a mystical trance to know what the will of God is. The scriptures speak to it. And so, I want to, I want to ask you, or, or, hear, hear this one, because this is really going to get tender. Mark, should I marry a non-believer? Well, the scriptures tell me not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But Mark, I think if I marry them, I can win them to Jesus. Maybe you can. Some of you have stories in that area. And you know what I'm saying. I'm just asking you to ask the question, do the Scriptures speak to this decision that I'm going to make? And here's here's the next thing about that. Is the Scriptures, if you're not in the Scriptures, you're not going to know. And don't do the hit and miss thing, you know. Uh, 
On the seals are, are the names of Nehemiah the governor, the son of... Uh, you know, that's, that's not going to help you. Systematically, I can, I can literally say this, and I, and I mean it all truthfulness. I would not be standing in front of you today if it was not for the God using the Word of God to speak to my life. I was a young man, and I had been discipled in reading the Word of God, and I was reading the Scriptures systematically. It wasn't a uh, uh, poke and peek kind of thing. And uh, as I was reading, I was asking the questions in my life, God, do you really... I mean, God, I'm a young man. Are you sure you desire for me to be in the ministry? And as I was reading along, I come to Jeremiah chapter 1, which was my reading for that day. And as I'm reading it, it was like the Holy Spirit just showed up in the room with me. Because Jeremiah was asking the same questions I was asking. Lord, I'm but a youth. And the Lord said, don't say I'm only a youth. You will go where I send you and you will speak what I tell you. And I'm telling you, that was written specifically for me at that point. And so uh, I'm just telling you, is there a scripture to speak to your decision? Number three, what does godly counsel say? What does godly, do not miss the word godly. Because you can always find somebody that will say what you want to hear. And do not go to the internet. You can find, isn't it, isn't it weird? You, you know, right now, all the, the stuff that has disoriented our world, even in, in Christians post this, you see somebody that is dogmatic about this. And I'm a Christian. And you ought to feel guilty if you don't feel this way. And somebody else will feel dogmatic about this. I'm a Christian. If you don't agree with me, blah, blah, blah. And you're thinking, good night. What is the truth? And that's the deal. The enemy has done a great job. But what does godly counsel say? And don't just go to people who will say what you want to hear, but go to godly men and women to ask them and to share your story and to get their feedback. Go to them. Hear their story. And, and one other in that is that you and your spouse need to be on the same page. You need to be on the same page. If, if Pam and I aren't on the same page with the decision we need to make, it may be God's will, but it's not God's timing. God has to bring us in agreement before we move forward. For us, uh, stepping out of student ministry was a very, very difficult thing, but we were just being obedient to what God was saying. And as the Lord began to pound on my life about some truths about possible direction in the future, the most nervous conversation I ever had was sitting down with Pam face to face and sharing with her what I sensed God was saying. Because she could have at that point said, I'm just not there. I could have ramrodded over her and said, no, we're going to go. No, we've got to be on the same page. That's part of that godly counsel. So, 
what, what does godly counsel say to the decision that you need to make? Number four, can I ask God's blessing on this decision? Can I ask His blessing on this decision? In other words, uh, how will this decision reflect on His name? Not just my name, but how will it reflect on His name? You know, to, to, um, to see that God has a plan, that He's asking something of it. But if I cannot ask His blessing on this decision, then it leads me to think it's a fleshly decision. It's not of, of Him. And part of that, I want you to think about this. Because sometimes, sometimes people are saying, I'm just not hearing from God. And I, I sometimes want to ask, what was the last thing He told you to do? Did you do it? Maybe there's silence because you have opted to not obey. But can you ask God's blessing on this decision? Number five, in light of all that you know right now, is it the wise thing to do? Is it the wise thing to do? Now, hear me on this. I'm talking about godly wisdom and not worldly wisdom. I'm talking about the wisdom of God. Is this the wise thing to do? Is this kingdom oriented? Is it going to draw me closer to Him? Is this the wise thing to do? In light of all of I know from my past, in light of where I am right now in my walk, and in light of the future dreams and hopes that He's given me, is this the wise thing for me to do right now? God's wisdom. James says, if any lacks wisdom, to ask. And uh, we may need to be asking wisdom. So that's five. There's one more. Sixth question is this. What's holding you back? What is holding you back? You know God has spoken. It may be uh, impressing your heart about the ministry. I, I think that we live in a day where we're not challenging, especially our students, to consider giving their life to full-time vocational ministry or missions, is to do that. I, I so much appreciate Jeff and Coco willing in their 60s to say, okay, God, we're, we're here. We're here. Just tell us what to do. And they're willing to go. But, but the question is, is that what's holding you back? From God, falling God full blown. Is it fear? Is it finances? Oh man, we got a story there. And in, in, in fact, Pam and I talked about many of the stories that God has for us. And next week when we do the Lord's Supper, I feel led to share some of those with you. But is it fear? Is it finances? Is it others? Is it time? It's going to take time, God. Is it distractions that keep you back? What is it? If And here's the deal. If God gives the vision, He's going to give the provision. He is going to enable you to do whatever He asks of you. But what's holding you back? What's holding you back from making that decision of following the Lord? It, some of you may be in this room and you say, I'm not a follower of Jesus or I'm a I'm on the bubble. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I've done what 
Sophie did. I've been baptized. I've done that. But as far as my heart really 100% in the game, I'm just not there. Why not? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't give a partial, but He gave it all? And He's asking that. Because, why? Because He wants to squash it? No! He knows your life only makes sense when you're close to Him. It only makes sense. So, I end with this, wrapping it up. Some of you are going to have to chew over these questions. If you didn't write them down, you can... We'll, we'll make sure you get them. I, I think it's important to walk through these indecisions. When you read the book of Exodus, you get caught up in the life of Moses, right? Moses, who was sent to deliver his, uh, deliver God's people out of Egypt. Uh, the first 40 years of Moses' life, he was man's man. The next 40 years, he was nobody's man because God sent him out in the wilderness to take care of sheep. In the last 40 years, he was God's man. But I want you to know when he was nobody's man is when God was grooming him to be his man. That's what he was doing. But in Exodus chapter 3, all of a sudden, Moses is out watching sheep and he has a burning bush experience. And I know some of you are saying, Mark, that's what I need. I need a burning bush. I know God... I sometimes jokingly say, you know, if we had more burning bushes, we'd have a burning bush denomination. We would have a, a donkey-speaking denomination. We would have, you know, we, we, we're terrible. But, uh, but we want that burning bush. But Moses got a burning bush. And the Lord said, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground, Moses. And he, and he says, I'm going to send you to deliver my people. And Moses starts stuttering. And he said, I, 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 I can't do that. I'm not gifted to do that. And, uh, and the Lord says this. He says, what do you have in your hand, Moses? And Moses says, I have my rod. I have my staff. This is my livelihood. I'm out there with these sheep. It's hook and it's crook. I, I can protect them. I can fight off the enemy. I can poke them when they need to go. This is my livelihood right here in my hand. What do you have in your hand, Moses? I have my rod. And then God says, throw it down, Moses. Throw it down. But God, it's my, it's my livelihood. It's my life. Throw it down, Moses. He throws the rod down. It turns into a snake. And uh, we know hissing serpent is what it turns into. And then God tells him this. Pick it back up, Moses. God, it's your rod. You pick it up at this point. But Moses reaches down and he picks it up and it turns into a rod again. Here's what happened. When Moses threw it down, it was Moses' rod. When he picked it up, it was God's rod. What was going to happen is he was going to part the Red Sea. He was going to hold it up as the army battled. He was going to uh, speak to a rock and hit a rock and, and water was going to come forth. Eventually, that rod was going to go to Aaron and Aaron was going to use it for all the plagues to come upon Egypt to set the people free. That rod eventually was going to bud when uh, others didn't bud, which is another story in itself. Eventually, that rod was going to put in the, with the Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant. It was man's rod 
And then it turned into God's rod. And here's the deal today. What are you holding in your hands? What are you holding in your hands? Man-pleasing. Fear. Loving finances. Loving security. Loving safety. Loving pleasure. Getting it all together in life. Love my business. I even love my family. And God may be saying, throw it down, Moses. Throw it down. Only to pick it back up and it now belongs to God. Listen, I, I, when I read the Word of God and I look at our, our disoriented day, I think God is looking for men and women. He's looking for a congregation. He's looking for students who are saying, God, I'm willing. I'm willing. Have your way with me.